Welcome to the show. I appreciate you tuning in. You're listening to Vote Your Conscience with Kevin Stola. Before we get started, I just wanted to go over where you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at underscore vote underscore your underscore conscience underscore. And you can also find my personal Instagram and my personal Twitter in the show notes as well. I'd appreciate it if you could leave a review on any podcasting platform you might be listening to this on. And I look forward to talking to any of you on Instagram, in my DMs, or in the comment section. Now that that's out of the way, on the last episode, we went over the Restrict Act and basically why I think it should be voted against. So if you're interested in it, I mean, I might not be the best person to listen to about it, but go take a look. I mean, if you just Google the Restrict Act, it's something that's been presented to the Congress. I believe that it's Bill 686 in the Senate. And, um, you know, take a look for yourself. It only takes about 45 minutes to read uh, if you're a slow reader like myself. So, you know, take a look at it and see what our Congress is trying to do. Um, that bill is basically about internet security and what I believe is a way for them to take power away from us as the American citizen using um, national security as a guise for them to get more power from us as I believe there's other ways to protect the United States interests. Um, so if you're interested in that, go take a listen to me or there's plenty of other people, podcasters and, you know, news media personalities that have discussed, um, you know, the Restrict Act. So take a look at that. I think it's a very important bill that we need to uh, push back against. On this episode, I wanted to cover basically uh, what I think about rights versus social benefits and how I've changed my mind um, about basically what rights are and, you know, what they should mean to individual citizens and to us as a whole country. So uh, basically, I think that I was mistaken in thinking uh, years ago, you know, when I was uh, growing up and went through our education system, um, you know, I was in the same crowd that believed that food, water, clothing, shelter, health care, you know, uh, whatever you can throw in there that people need was actually a right to be provided to you. And basically, I've changed my opinion on that because I've changed my understanding of what rights are and, you know, how much effort goes into obtaining these resources. But so I just wanted to go over initially, um, you know, different types of rights. So you know, I just wanted to cover natural rights, legal rights, and then human rights, which different people and different dictionaries have different definitions of these different, um, you know, categories of rights, basically. But I'll let you know my beliefs about them. And I will also just look at um, Wikipedia here. And they are comparing natural rights and legal rights here. So uh, I'll just go over a quick definition that's on Wikipedia. Natural rights are those that are not dependent on the laws or customs of any particular culture or government, and so are universal, fundamental, and inalienable. They cannot be repealed by human laws, though one can forfeit their enjoyment through one's actions, such as by violating someone else's rights. Um, Natural law is the law of natural rights. 
So then they also have a definition for legal rights. Legal rights are those bestowed onto a person by a given legal system. They can be modified, repealed, and restrained by human laws. And then we have the idea of human rights on here. It goes into, and this is under uh, Wikipedia, Natural Rights and Legal Rights. And also, I'll just put the link in the show notes so you can go check out what I'm looking at here as well. Uh, So it has here, the idea of human rights derives from theories of natural rights. So basically, you know, the two main categories that are going to be in actual law and what our rights are as humans is going to be in natural rights and legal rights. Human rights is going to be a more vague category and it's going to be more, you know, philosophical than what natural law and basically, um, you know, legal rights are going to be. So I just wanted to go over my belief on these different rights and uh, what I think about them. You know, as I do think that both sides are, you know, off the mark on this, and I do consume a lot of content from both sides on Twitter, Instagram, and, you know, in media personalities as well, either on podcasts or on, you know, bigger media platforms, um, like mainstream media platforms. And basically, you know, my idea is more in the center of that, but I also think that our natural rights are more important than our legal rights, but, you know, as a society, we still need to come together to provide basic necessities like food, water, clothing, shelter, and healthcare to people. But there's a difference between being able to provide these things as a society and them being your actual right. So I just wanted to cover this because I used to believe you know, the concept that um, basically you have the right to life and that meant you have the right to food, water, clothing, shelter, health care, you know, any basic necessities of our modern society. And I have uh, changed my viewpoint on that over the years. Basically, when I was a kid, I mean, I had everything provided for me as most kids in America do. There are, you know, people still living in poverty, but uh, there's not people starving to death in America. And if there are, that's more of a forced situation than us not being able to, you know, find food because even homeless people or, you know, beggars are getting enough to sustain themselves with just the amount of food we throw away and whatever people can, you know, scrounge up from panhandling or whatever other ways they're getting money. So I used to believe that, you know, these things were human rights. And the reason I've changed my view is because I've had to work very hard to get what I have, and I can still barely afford what I have anyway. But, you know, none of these things can be a right naturally. So Naturally, as a human, you would never be able to get food, water, clothing, shelter, or health care provided to you because there's always effort involved. So whether or not you're the one collecting any of these resources, you know, there's going to be effort involved in obtaining it for you. So if you think that food is your right, who has to provide it to you? Because 
The world will not just provide it to you. If you just sit somewhere, you will not receive food just from the natural world. It doesn't work that way. So all through human history and before humans even existed, every animal on the planet had to, you know, fight for these resources and gather resources and do whatever they needed to find shelter and food, water, and to deal with any, you know, afflictions that they might have had. So I don't believe that these are just a right of yours. You have the right to try to obtain these things in natural law. So these would be your natural rights. And there's a big difference between that and then legal rights and human rights, and then also just social benefits. I believe that people are mistaking social benefits for rights. So, you know, people keep saying that everyone has the right to health care. Well, there's no way you can have the right to health care because if you're a nurse or a doctor or any type of medical professional, you do not have to provide care to people. So in our modern society, there are laws that if you're working in a hospital, you do have to provide medical care for people that come in to at least stabilize them. But that doesn't mean that that's one of your rights to receive that care. So since we already have, you know, a healthcare system set up with hospitals and doctor's offices, etc. in the medical field, they're not allowed to turn you away you know, for any reason, like not having money or race, gender, whatever, you know, someone might want to turn someone away for, um, away for, but that's just a legal right. So in reality, no one has to care for you. That's not your right as a human to receive, you know, medical treatment from a doctor. So if someone spent their life learning about medicines and, you wanted treatment from them, there's no rule that forces them to treat you. I mean, this is the same thing, you know, that ends up turning into slavery at some point to obtain these resources or health care. There is no natural law that says a doctor has to treat you. That's not their job to take care of you in, you know, the greater scheme of things. So, there is a big difference between, you know, a benefit of living in a society that could provide health care to you and your right to receiving the work of another person. Because if you're not going to take care of yourself and you have the right to not take care of yourself if you want, but that doesn't force someone else to have to take care of you. It's not your right to receive care from anybody. That's, that's just not how, you know, nature works. So at some level, if you force people, you claim that it's a right to food, water, clothing, shelter, health care. And I mean, I hear people include, you know, even further things than these. But um, at some point, someone has to do this work. So in the example of food or water, for water... You know, we have to create filters and filter all the water. We have to build wells to get the water up from, you know, aquifers down in the ground. 
There's other available water sources like springs and, you know, rivers that are cleaner that we still have to filter the water. And then for food, someone always has to be planting all of this food, taking care of the plants, and then harvesting this food, and then, you know, traveling it to wherever your location is. So there's no way that that can be your right to receive that food for no effort. So you have the right to try to obtain food. Do I believe that we should provide food to people that cannot take care of themselves? Yes. But that has nothing to do with it being a right. You don't have a right to just sit somewhere and be provided a house, food, water, clothing, and then doctors to come and take care of you. So that's not your right to just do nothing and be provided for by other humans. Those are the only, you know, that's the only way that you can be provided for is by other humans if you're not going to do anything. If other humans are forced to take care of you without you putting in any effort, that's the definition of slavery. Other humans doing things for you and they're being forced to. So if you can't force another human to go and farm for you, get water for you, create clothing, you know, build a house for you, or go to medical school, become a doctor, and then provide health care to you, then you don't have a right to receive those things. Now, our society has advanced to such a stage where we have understandings of, you know, accessing food getting water, creating clothing and shelter very effectively. So there's so much excess that it's it should be easy to provide these things to people who can't take care of themselves. So the argument that people are having is whether or not people deserve these things is one of the main debates, and people keep using it like it's a right debate. It's a debate over what your rights are. There's no debate there. You don't have a right to force someone to work for you and grow a plant so that you can eventually eat it. And everybody agrees with me unless you're for slavery because that's the only way you can force another human to grow food for you and provide food to you without you doing anything. So the arguments that we're having is really more over what social benefits should be provided. I believe that there should be, you know, a certain level of social benefits provided. And I did already have a podcast episode about welfare and how I think that the welfare system is totally broken and it's so convoluted by all these different programs. I want them all rolled into one at the federal level and one at the state level to just simplify it and you know we can provide whatever is needed to people that need it but the you know one that I don't go towards is healthcare uh, for all either because I think that that's giving too much power to the government if it was a system where the healthcare provided services were still private but we were paying in together to get these services provided then I believe we could work together to get fair prices, but the government is already in control so much over what can be done in medicine and 
keeping out competition away from these bigger pharmaceutical companies as well that it it's become so convoluted with healthcare that I would either just put that one aside for now because my main point would be that we should change our tax system so that the government stops taking so much money for us and then we can afford our own healthcare anyway. So my my main goal is always going to be, you know, promoting less taxes for individuals and that's a way that we can provide things for ourselves. I don't want to rely on the government to provide any of these things to me. I want them to stop taking my money so that I can provide more of these things to myself more easily and still be able to save on top of that. So that's going to always be my argument. Whether or not that's a possibility, I know that there's going to be you know, welfare programs. It's not like we're going to get rid of welfare programs and... Even like I said in the welfare, you know, episode, if healthcare does become a thing, if Medicare for all does become a thing, I personally will probably only benefit because I currently don't have healthcare anyway, health insurance. So I still get healthcare. I just pay to go and, you know, get treatment when I need it, but I don't have health insurance. So basically my main point is that people don't have rights for these and I think that most people are confused about what rights are. So that's why I went over natural rights and legal rights. So legal rights, these are things that were just decided upon, you know, in our legislatures. So either at a state level or at a federal level or you know, different things at county or city levels um, that are elected board members and different legislators decided upon, agreed upon, wrote into law, and now there's a legal document stating that you have a right to, you know, this or that. So you have a right in America to a defense attorney at no cost to you. And you know, that, in my opinion, is not a natural right because there is no natural law that could force another human to do something for me. So, you know, out in nature, there is no lawyer to do anything for you. The lawyer doesn't have to work for you. But in America, a lawyer does have to work for you. Um some lawyer. You must be provided a lawyer. That's how our legal system is set up. That's not a natural right. That's a legal right. So that's the difference between legal rights and natural rights. Because your legal rights, there is a lot more, you know, specificity to them than there is with natural rights. Because natural rights, you know, everything from self-defense to, um, being able to do almost anything you want is going to be under there or anything that you're capable of doing really under, you know, natural law is your right to do. So your right is also to receive the consequences of all of your actions. Now, my main point still being, I believe that we should be providing certain things to people that need help. But when everyone's calling them rights, 
then it gets very confused because it makes it sound like, you know, these individuals, any individual in our country or in the world for that matter, deserves all of these things, no matter what they do, whether or not they work a job, whether or not they have a family, whether or not they're, you know, a huge detriment to society or they're adding, you know, so much positivity and having a giant positive impact that's helping their community and our country. There's a big difference between what people are providing. So, you know, everyone doesn't just deserve everything. I believe that people deserve a basic level of, you know, like I said, I mean, the the necessities, food, water, clothing, shelter. And the only reason I agree with that is because we do have such, you know, an immense wealth and we're able to create these things so much easier than we used to be able to. If you ask me the same thing 500 years ago, of course societies didn't have, you know, the necessity to give out these things. They didn't have enough. Most societies didn't have enough. These days, most societies have plenty to give out, you know, extras to the people who are in need. So I still believe that we should help people. I would prefer that it happens more in the nonprofit space rather than the government space because I still want capital kept away from the government as much as possible because, like I've explained on other episodes too, I believe that capital or money is power and giving more and more of it to the government every year just gives them more power. And I want them to have less power over our lives. I want more power to be in your life and my life. The reason that I believe that these things have gotten confused in America and in other developed nations as well is very simple, and it's because as life has gotten better for people, people have become more compassionate towards other people, and I think that we've gained a better understanding of each other. To some extent, you know, it's it's been getting worse in recent history here, it seems like, but the main thing is that people are so much more compassionate than they used to be. And, you know, the majority of people, I mean, because there was compassionate people throughout history, but less people had the capability of being compassionate. When you can't feed your kids, there's no room for compassion. You must steal food. You must fight for food. You know, if you if it's necessary, you have to kill for food. These are just, this is how life is. You know, when we were living in the animal kingdom still, that's how it is. You have to kill for food. You have to fight for food. You have to search. You have to do whatever it takes. You can't care about the next you know, human over because you can't even take care of yourself or you're struggling too. So as resources have become more available for us, people have been able to become more compassionate. And then our philosophies have completely changed about, you know, different people's situations. So our whole society has been, you know, pushed into a philosophy of, you know, oh, well, you don't know until you walk in someone else's shoes. Well, you'll never be able to walk in someone's shoes. Not exactly. Even if you have the same exact situation happen to you, the way that your brain's wired, your genetics, your upbringing, everything is going to have you react, you know, differently. You could react similarly as well, or you could react completely differently 
you know, in a way that someone else might not even understand at all. So everyone's situation is going to be different in how they react. So we can't fully understand everyone else's decisions, but that's led us towards more compassion, which I do believe is a good thing, but I believe that it's also misled us, you know, way, way out of where reality is, though, because we haven't reached a point where everything can just be provided. I mean, there's not just robots making you know, all the food and clothing and houses and everything, not yet, you know, maybe in another 500 years or something, that will be happening. Maybe it'll happen way faster than I think, who knows. But it's not here today. We still have people who are out harvesting food and, you know, creating filters for water and weaving clothing, everything that we do. So, um, you know, it's not just all provided for, but I think since in the U.S. we've gotten to such a high level of material, you know, possessions in our existence that people have become more compassionate about what other people deserve because it seems so easy to get products. And when you see other people with wealth, you know, it's just like, well, why can't those people have, you know, the people who need food how come they can't have food when this household has 10 times as much food as it needs or a thousand times as much food or resources as they need? And it is difficult, but there is a value, you know, trade in our society. So most, you know, most people are working to provide value and they're receiving value back. And then there's people who are providing almost no value or they're literally having a negative impact on society and they still must receive food and i believe that you know since i also am compassionate i believe that my compassion misled me in the past to believing that these were human rights but i don't believe that they're human rights for people to receive food water clothing shelter health care because there's no one who has the right to force another person to do any of these things for them. So here's one of the things, you know, I think that in the U.S., the education system, being compassionate, made up of compassionate people, you know, teachers, some of the most compassionate people ever. You know, you got to have a lot of compassion to go and sit through these classes with all these kids who are misbehaving, especially if you got kids like me, you know, who are in your class. But I believe that compassion has misled people in the United States to believe things that are objectively false. So things such as, you know, dick size not mattering. In sexual education, they had, you know, they tried to convince us that penis size doesn't matter. Well, in reality, it does. I mean, it might not matter as much as, you know, what some people think, but there is a difference in what you know, how women are going to react to a male that has a one-inch penis or a eight-inch penis. So this is just in reality. Maybe some women do want that one-inch penis, but not most of them. So there is going to be, you know, a difference in reality than what we've been taught. When they're trying to say something like that that's just obvious you can try to be compassionate to a child and tell them that this isn't an issue, but then when they grow up and they start being involved in sexual situations, they're going to find out really quick if women are being, 
you know, satisfied by what they have or they're not. And there's other ways to please women other than just your dick size, but that's not the point. Everyone knows that it it has some importance at least. So trying to teach people that it doesn't, doesn't benefit anybody. And it's the same thing as trying to teach people that, you know, people are equal. So I believe that people have equal rights, or at least they should have equal rights, but people are not equal. We're not equal in our abilities. You know, I'm a five foot eight male, so I'm not equal to someone who's six foot two in their capability of reaching something. I have a window cleaning company, and I know when someone else washes windows, they can reach higher than me. That's not equal. So we are not equal. We are supposed to have equal rights, which is giving us similar advantages, but it's to use our own abilities in a way that's advantageous to us. That's the equal rights that we have. So, same thing. One other fallacy. Women and men are just as good at the same tasks. So, that's just inherently not true. There are women that are stronger than some men, but on average, men are going to be stronger. Men are going to be better at all sorts of different things than women are, and women are going to be better than men at all sorts of different things as well. And that's only on an average. There are men that are more caring and loving to their children than women, you know, but not than all women. The most extreme women are going to be more affectionate and, you know, it comes easier to them than most men. So these things are just on average. So a couple more of these things is that everyone is the same level of good. And basically I'm talking about morally because like I was saying earlier where our psychology and philosophy has led us to go, oh, well, you can't judge someone until you walk in their shoes. Well, I believe that that's a fallacy. I mean, I think that we should be judging people because we need to judge people to make decisions on, you know, what they can do for us, what we should do for them. Are they providing, you know, uh, value to our society? Should I let them into my house? Are they going to harm me? Are they going to help me? I mean, there's everyone is not, you know, good just because, well, a set of circumstances led them to be bad or not to be bad, but take bad actions. So we still need to have perception about people. You can't just say, well, whatever happened to them caused this, so they're still a good person. You know, and the most extreme cases of this would be trying to say that serial killers are good because, you know, whichever one, you know, was abused as a child or something, That made them turn into this, so it's not their fault. Well, I get it's not their fault, but it doesn't make them, you know, a good person. So that's just one more fallacy where this is a thing that's tricking us and it's confusing us, you know, to believe incorrect things and be okay with things that are incorrect or just objectively false. So another one, the last one I'll bring up here um, before I start wrapping this up, is that fat people are just as sexy as fit people. So, I mean, this is one that is a huge problem in our society right now, and on average, I'm just saying that's how it is. So, people have tried to convince, 
you know, people that being obese is okay or just as attractive to people as being fit. But there's a reason that Chris Hemsworth is extremely famous and it's not just because of his acting capability, it's because his ripped body. I mean, he's genetically gifted and obviously he's put in tons of, you know, effort to have that body. And one of the things is that the effort is sexy. That's why, too, because you can see that Chris Hemsworth put in all this effort to stay that jacked and be that jacked. So people are attracted to that, not only on a visual level, but also on a mental level of going, this person's willing to put in that work, they could take care of me. Whereas someone who's obese and on the very high-end spectrum, then some of these people who are obese have all sorts of issues that have led them to that. And I'm not saying they're a bad person for that. I'm just saying that objectively, you are likely to get more you know, offerings from a mate if you are a fit person rather than a fat person or obese. So these are just things our society is trying to trick us into believing, but they do not benefit you or me or anybody in our society to believe in these fallacies. If you believe that you know, you're just as attractive as Chris Hemsworth, it might help, you know, somewhere in your confidence, which might lead to more mates or whatever, but that's not, you know, it's not likely to benefit you that much because you walk into a modeling agency and if you're not Chris Hemsworth, they're not going to just offer you a job right away. So in reality, we need to start acting you know, and having our philosophies match up with reality, not just only things that are compassionate. You know, it might seem compassionate to tell people things that make them feel better, you know, things such as having a tiny dick doesn't matter, and, you know, that's not going to benefit them when some woman is laughing at them when they pull it out. So, you know, being able to live up and use our advantages, we need to understand what that is, not just say everyone deserves everything because this situation, you know, this situation happened to them, or this is how, you know, that we had to react in society because, you know, of whatever circumstances someone's in, so they just deserve this much, and they're just as good as someone else. That's my main point, is that when these things don't line up, then people are super upset and everyone's getting mad at each other because they don't know where they belong in society. So people think everyone thinks if we're all equal, you know, or we deserve equity, which is a completely different thing than equality, which I will have an episode about at some point, you know, then everybody who doesn't have the same things, the same, you know, level of, um, mates, the same level of money, the same level of resources, the same level of education or anything, they can look at someone else and they can say that's an injustice, not there's a reason for this and in reality it's because of this. And it could be that you weren't blessed with as much intelligence or attractiveness or you know, societal standing from your family or something, but that's how reality is. 
That's not an injustice. That's just reality. Is it fair? No, of course it's not fair. That should be one of the first things that people learn in life is that life is not fair. We live on a brutal planet and we should be, you know, working towards civilizing it. And by that, I mean having more compassion and being able to have understanding of other people's needs, desires, interests, you know, situations that have affected them in their life. But that doesn't mean that, you know, everyone just gets everything and we should all split everything evenly because of different situations that happen to people. There are different levels of effort that you can put in and that needs to be taught in the education system more. Um, so that was the last thing I wanted to go over with. I believe that compassion has misled us, you know, into believing things that are objectively false. And then that is leading to, you know, way more strenuous circumstances because people aren't accepting their standing in life, which you shouldn't, but you're going to have to put in effort. It's not just saying, well, I deserve this. So you get it. You know, you got to put in the effort still. If you believe you deserve more, then put in that effort. And that effort doesn't have to be, you know, working harder, but it could involve having an understanding of what you actually want in your own life, you know, at your job and what we want in our politicians. So that's why I'm making this podcast, because I believe most people don't want the politicians that we have on either side. Democrats or Republicans, and the statistics show that 40% of um, individuals in America of voting age, they identify as independents. So, you know, if they're not a Republican or a Democrat, why is there no third option? So that's the whole point of this podcast, is that I want to try to push to have more options in our lives and especially in politics, because the two sides are not doing the things that either side, the actual constituents of either side, want. So, all the topics that I cover in this always lead back to the same conclusion in my mind, which is that we need more people voting their conscience in their own life, with their own life decisions, at their job, you know, choosing your job wisely, choosing your bosses, you know, telling your bosses what you need um, with your dollars, buying products you believe in from companies you believe in. You know, if you don't support Amazon, there are other options. Is it more difficult? Yes, it's more difficult to not shop on Amazon. Amazon has made it super easy to order stuff and super efficient. You get it super quick. So, you know, is it going to be more difficult to vote with your dollars? Yes. But if you believe in it, then you need to do that. You have to correlate your beliefs with your actions, coordinate them. So same thing with, you know, voting. If you don't like either choice, then vote for someone else. Let's get more people voting for other people other than just the two options that are presented to us. Not just in the presidential race, but yes, that's an important one but also at the state level with governors and legislators in your own state, especially, you know, national senators and national congress members, house members, but also in your own localities too, because that's where you're going to have the most power. So that's all the time I have for today, and I'll end it like I always do with a message of unity. 
You know, sometimes in this podcast, I'm going to say things that upset people, of course. And, you know, with with me talking as much as I do, there's going to be things that I offend people with that I probably don't even mean or I have a blind spot for. So I do want you to know, you know, I try to be as compassionate as possible. What I want is the best for everyone in society, and that's including you. So same thing that I always end on, though is a message of unity. I believe that most people in this country, no matter how you know divided it seems, really want the same basic things and we want better, you know, education, healthcare and economic conditions. So just remember when you're having, you know, political conversations with your neighbors, your friends and your family to have some compassion and try to understand their point of view because most likely they want what's better for their family, their community, and probably even you. So if you take anything away from this episode or any of the episodes in this podcast, I always want it to be to have more compassion and more courage to stand up to the truly powerful, you know, our real enemy, so that we can get the power back to the individuals of our country. So take care. Thanks for listening. And remember to always vote your conscience.